Okay, with Jonathan Bearford, uh, Clear is the music video, short film, played at the Environmental Film Festival. Really cool um, video. The big question, because you live in Los Angeles, correct? Mm-hmm. You shot most, like like the the, one, the main sequence is in uh, Iceland, right? You guys shot in Iceland, correct? Yeah, and Alaska. In, in, in Alaska, too. Okay, so how, mm-hmm. did, how does that come about? How do you... Because it's amazing. We can get to the making of the music video, what it thematically means. But how do you? Because you, if people watch the video, you got your band there, you got drums, you got got everything going on there. You got the northern lights. Like, how do you shoot in Iceland? How does that come about? Um, it was sort of like inspiration visually of um, how I can make myself feel immersed in a winter wonderland as much as possible. Gotcha. And I sort of. Didn't want to compromise on whatever that would look like. And so like after much re- in Los Angeles, it wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it started with Big Bear and it worked its way up. Right. <laughs> and um, I found myself finding um, ice caves um, that seem to be located in Iceland. Apparently some of the the coolest accessible ice caves you could um, visit and climb and all that. And it sort of just created like a journey where I found other similar locations within Iceland. Alaska came after, but I found myself sort of finding these different locations that sort of then piece together this story of, of what this winter winter wonderland action packed story would look like. So okay, so, so how do you how does it come about that you go to Iceland then and you bring your 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 band and your gear and your director? Mm-hmm. Like how does that come about? It's definitely not easy. Um, you know, yeah. you get a, a team that a little bit of a team that I've worked with before and trusts in these crazy environments and adventures right but we uh yeah we get our we pack our bags and we sort of pinpoint what is the what is the most doable uh route with like the weather and everything at that time in iceland to hit all the different spots because icelandic weather is so unpredictable and there were definitely some obstacles we encountered that changed our trajectory and a little bit of the video as well and so to the best of our ability with the knowledge that we had of Iceland going into, you know, going in February, one of the most treacherous times you can go, uh, we prepared as much as possible. And a lot of times caught ourselves um, off guard with what, what Mother Nature had to share with us. But we did our best. And I am at times shocked with what we were still able to capture with how cold and unbelievably windy it was at times. <laughs> so you was, it was, it was February, what year, February, what year? Uh, that was 2020. So uh, we. So you just got in no, just before. Just yeah. barely. COVID was like a, uh, <laughs> like an up and coming word where it wasn't a big deal when we when we you know, showed up, no, and then when no. we heard about the first person in Iceland that got it when we left, that's when I knew it was pretty serious. The fact that someone in Iceland would, because to me it felt like a like an East, like sort of like an Asia thing. Like oh, yeah. oh it's on the it's on a different continent. It's not in, it's not in the U.S. It's not even anywhere in Europe yet. And, and by the time I left, it, it was a whole nother ballpark. But yeah, we just barely snuck that in. That's that's amazing. Okay, so okay, so you're. Does anybody know Iceland? Are you guys like, how did you location scout? How did you find the location? Um, through Google for the most part. I found these images <laughs> that, in my head, like represented what sonically the song sounded like to me. And so when I would see pictures of an ice cave. I would go digging to see ex- literally exactly where that is. And I would find the exact coordinates of like the name of the glacier. I think it's Vada Nuxol. I'm probably really butchering that, but it's a uh, South Iceland. Um, I'd find those coordinates, 
look at other through Google Maps, other locations, other waterfalls, um, and just get those all pinpointed. And luckily, I will say the director I had just by chance, um, he happened to have been to Iceland before, not at okay. all these locations, but he definitely jumped in as sort of like a um, a good point of contact of like, we should take this road, we should we should leave at this time, we should avoid this road, that sort of thing. So it was really nice to have like a like in a way like someone who's um been there done that um but some of our craziest adventures was new to all of us so where you shot it though like was there any like humans around there like like was it like did you need like a permit like i was i'm just curious like how that comes about um we needed a tour guide for sure so um and uh on top of the glacier because we shot Honestly, we shot most of the on-top glacier stuff in Alaska because uh, when we shot the on-top glacier stuff in Iceland, the weather was so intense where we booked a tour. They put you in this big van with huge tires. They take you, drive you up top of this glacier. And um, they set us down and the winds were about 70 knots, um, not far from what a hurricane is. And so they set the van sideways to block the wind and we were going to try to do it. And it was messing with our camera gear to the point of damage and so we kind of had to call quits on that shoot and shoot inside the ice cave which was great but um to me that felt like i lost a lot of great content um and as crazy and as cool as that was i i wanted more so that's the main reason why we went to alaska to get much better weather with winds yeah. on a glacier which for that shoot required helicopters we had to put drums and helicopter all of our equipment and sort of just touch base at what was the safest best cinematic spot to shoot on top of a glacier which is a whole nother experience so do you regret going there then like did you think you could have got everything done in alaska not at all um because i i did look in alaska if there were like caves that um would have been better than iceland and i feel like it all worked out in the sense of the ice cave that we shot at was otherworldly it was massive i i couldn't even believe it was real and you just walk into this cave that feels endless um ironically it was warm inside of there <laughs> um but in a way it's almost like you you get the best of both worlds from both places iceland seems to cater a little more towards the ice caves where in alaska you're going to get these spiky glaciers where you're not getting hurricane winds and it's a little more accommodating so it, it ended up kind of working out where i thought i could just do everything in Iceland and I was wrong and kind of got the best of both, both spots. That's amazing that you, and then, and then the, the interior, I guess, I guess you assume that the, the shot the rest of it in Los Angeles, like the interior shots. That was actually mostly in Boston. And then another, another similar thing happened <laughs> where we, um we, we tried, we were just so ambitious in Iceland and we didn't get everything we needed understandably, but um we shot at a geothermal power plant in Iceland and um, we were kind of rushed and it, and we didn't have time to get everything we needed. Um, and so it was just a little too, little too ambitious just to walk in and shoot. Whereas um, when we looked at the footage again, I felt like it wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. So I did a lot more digging, spent the proper time and found basically another geothermal power plant um, outside of Boston on a college campus. And it was, it was huge. It had a heating and cooling center and I talked to them about not only can we shoot there just to like reshoot some of the stuff from Iceland, but can we bring my band and bring red lasers and blue lights and haze and just kind of make this like almost like a an 80s like rock mm -hmm. shoot in a power plant. 
And so that was like its own thing. Um, but yeah, I really gave that the love that I wanted to give in Iceland that I couldn't. So kind of like with Alaska, we just said, let's just go to Boston and bring everybody again and, and, and do this right over there. So uh, like we, this is like a, uh, I, I interview a lot of independent filmmakers. People listen to this podcast. So people are thinking money in their, in their minds. Like <laughs> you went to Alaska, you went to Boston, you went to Iceland. Like that's a, that's a, for a music video, that's pretty ambitious. And, co- and I'm, I'm assuming it costs a lot of, costs a lot of money to do that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have, I could have bought a car. Let's put it that way, but um, I didn't. And um, it, and I think, you know, initially it's like you have your upfront budget, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I costed out what the, the cost would be for an Icelandic production. And I let the creative side tell me otherwise of what I think it should cost coming back from that shoot. So, you know, I could have spent half of that, but I learned throughout the shoot, if I'm not going to compromise my creative vision, I should spend the money needed. So I don't feel like I could have done better. And I, I feel so proud of the work I've done. I feel like I've pushed myself creatively to the furthest capacity I could have. Maybe I have more, I don't know, but, um, I spent more than I initially intended um, and I don't regret it. And sometimes, Hey, you know, sometimes you are locked in to a budget and um, you make it work. Yeah. Um, in this instance, I think because it was my own project and because I wasn't in a rush, I was going to do whatever it took and whatever time needed to make it happen. So this, yeah, this is a pretty fantastic music video. So this is your showcase, I guess, for Thanks, your band, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've done well, more in the past, but th- this is a, uh, what I would say, like the pinnacle of what I've been trying to achieve. Well, you go to your website and it's like, this is the, this is the, this is the video that stay that jumps out on the, on your website. Right. So this is mm-hmm. what you're showcasing to the world, I guess. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no lyrics though. There's no, there's no, um, it's, it's straight instrumental. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a feel to it, I guess. Right. I'm not, I'm, I don't know the, the like, I'm not, I'm, I'm just from a, from a, a fan's point of view, I have no like, expertise knowledge of the craft but meaning that it's like a, it's like a feel i guess right yeah yeah i feel like um you know as much as i do love music with lyrics and all that and i'm not the best singer but i have always felt that music sonically can bring imagery and make you feel something without lyrics and without it being like and a vocalist telling you i want you to feel this right mm. i feel like the music is so much more up to interpretation and i am a, in kind of a way where when i play particular chords i kind of feel like a color or like an image in my head and so i always felt when I'm playing this i always felt like this like chilling frostbite blue and i always felt if i can basically take whatever feeling that was that the music made me feel but show people um and tell a story that hopefully it would make sense. And I'd find other people where they were like, I was kind of feeling the same thing. Or now I see why the music sounds this way because it, it aligns with being out there in the cold and, and the sharpness of it. Um, and so I try to write music that is aligned with a feeling and a color and a place. Um, so you feel like when you play it, you're just kind of plopped in, into this place. Um, it's a little bit up to interpretation, but I like yeah. to paint the, the, the painting I see in my head. Okay, so yeah, no, it makes total sense. It's like it, it also the context of when you're listening to it too, right? Like you could be in your car, mm-hmm. is you there's you go to your work, go to your job. So there's a lot, or you could be on vacation. There's yeah. so many, there's so much context about when you're listening to a particular song, and then that's why you, we listen to the same songs over and over again. 
Um, right, right. So, okay, so tell me, okay, so you're you wrote the the um, when when did you first write the song? Do you remember when you where you were? Like, what was like how long ago it was? I'm just curious. Like, when you got the inspiration to write the originally write the song? It was actually quite a while ago, um, and the song kind of transformed. Where initially I wrote the song um, with very little, I would say, like influence from like an 80s perspective because i think that if you can tell in the the version now there's a bit of like stints and a little bit of like 80s percussion going on yes but let's, let's wrote... be like throw it out there you're in your 20s right so you weren't mm-hmm. born in, the, in your 80s like you're born in <laughs> right right so, yeah. yeah yeah but i, no, no, I, I just I do... was curious. i'm just curious how you got because that's what that's the feel i get too but i'm just curious like what because i'm from the 80s but yeah <laughs> um i I mean, I, uh, one of my favorite bands is Rush, right? And so, like, okay. I, I, they're, they're like an ever evolving band, right? And I always wanted to explore the 80s world in a progressive way, the same way I thought Rush did. And at the time, that wasn't my influence. But when I finished writing the song, after writing some song I did prior to that called Zion, which was about visiting the Red Rocks and all that, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I wanted to do an opposite version of that, where I wrote a song that was called Zion. It was warm. It felt like orange. You're in like slot canyons, Grand Canyon stuff. And I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted something that didn't feel warm, that was sharper, um, a little more precise and complex. And um, over time, when I wrote that song, I, over the span, I would say three years evolved that into what felt like an 80s instrumental rock song. Mm. And that happened between, I would say, 2017 to 2019. So I, I was writing this one song and evolving it for a long time till I felt like it finally hit this place where not only did I feel like it was telling, it was sounding like it should, but then the imagery matched the ice cave canyons that I wanted to to go visit. So it was like, I had this imagery of like a winter wonderland. I had a song, I wanted it to sound like that place. And when it finally did, that's when I started the pre-production and said, this, this finally sounds like I want it to, it makes sense in my head. Now I can start like getting a director on board, picking locations. And I think hopefully mm-hmm. if I show them my demo, they'll see, they'll see what I'm seeing. But um, yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys that doesn't just like pop out a song one night <laughs> and say, like, you know, says like, Oh, like yeah. it came to, it came to me in a dream. That's no, it's a lot of like a, a meticulous work on my end. I do. I have to point out as a fellow Canadian, you said you're like rush. So and we're, I'm a fan of that. <laughs> They're Canadian band, yeah. just so people don't know it. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. So, to talk about the writing of the the actual music video. So, we'll t- we'll can go through it a little bit. But so it starts off with like um, a band or a crash plane, abandoned plane, plane, and then all of a sudden you're the you're the main character, and you kind of wake mm-hmm. up from the crash plane. Just from a, from a practical standpoint, where did you find the plane? That, that's a pretty amazing plane that you guys got. Yeah, it is. It is such a cool location. Um, it is not in any format something that I rented or yeah. like got a hold of. It is. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of like a local spot. I think other um, travelers might know about it, but um, it's quite a hike. There's this crash plane that is a legit U.S. Navy plane that crashed on an Icelandic beach, and the remains have been pretty solidified for a few decades now this is in iceland this is where you knew this is where you went location scouting on google where you're like this is where we go okay and i forget how i stumbled across it because i don't know if that was i don't think that was initially part of my story where it was like it's gonna be a plane i knew we were gonna 
be there as a t as a team as characters somehow but a lot of times it was like the the nature of iceland sort of painted the story for me and so finding that location as beautiful as it is and and i mean rare there's like very little like that right on a snow beach it it sort of crafted the story in a way and um it's 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 a pretty long hike it takes i think about like maybe an hour and a half two hours just to get there yeah. and you walk back um but yeah, I, I stumbled across it, I think probably on like Google images or somewhere on Instagram from some photographer that lived out there. And um, I kind of knew like, listen, it's going to take a lot for me to say no, not to go there. If it's a two hour hike, I'm going. Um, it's going to take a lot to talk me down to not go. And we brought everyone along to do it. And that to me was such a striking place that it felt like I had to start my video with it. Just yeah. hit the hit the establishing shot, you know? So do you guys? So then the, do you guys wake up, and then uh, I'm just like doing the the bear the the, the, the kind of the cold notes of it, and then you're kind of the uh -huh. your static is you're wearing like kind of baby blue. You'll change to red later on, but you're wearing the baby blue mm -hmm. vest and the white, and you're kind of like within the context. And then and then of course there's like a confidential file of some of some that's the narrative. Like you're mm -hmm. you're racing to pick up this confidential file. Yeah, yeah. And so what that file is, um, it's a pretty quick cutting video so i don't know how obvious it is but yeah. it um basically it's like a classified folder of what are these like scientific plans to pull resources of this land and we're like a scientific team that's like doing like a mission to learn how we can take these resources from this place yeah. and uh this character falls in love with the environment through basically kind of being taken around from the red character which is just like a different version of himself that is like the 180 version that loves the environment and uh, the colors were picked not only because they kind of match the environment, but also I um, chose red because it felt to me like an SOS, like a red alert, like a kind of like a call, like a wake up call. And so I wanted that red color. Well, you're playing both of these characters. Like, so you're these like yeah. doppelganger of you. Exactly. It's like the, it's like this, the future side of you that has changed and knows that like what you're doing is wrong. You should, like you shouldn't be like stealing resources from these delicate environments that need to be preserved yeah. and then there's like the pat the, the present person that doesn't know that yet and it's like your future self is being like don't go through with this look at all this stuff it's beautiful you know yeah. your friends don't understand either like leave them like rip up these plans that say to do this like don't don't go forward with it um and so it is kind of like technically speaking an internal battle right between two versions of myself and like that's an interesting that's an interesting kind of narrative where like it's because we like you're 20 you're in your 20s but then it's it's what happens it's what they say right they say that you're when you're in your 20s or your teens you have this idealism right this kind of like like you want to make the world a better place and then mm -hmm. when you hit your 30s and 40s you want to make yourself a better place. <laughs> you, want to make, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like you turn from a liberal to a conservative not to take shots at conservatives but, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Oh, but you know what I mean? It's like that sort of like, it's almost sort of like that's the message you're kind of sending in a sense. A little bit. I mean, it is, it is a little bit of like a, a rebellious, youthful message. But I think the biggest thing at the end I wanted to show, I guess, spoiler, um, when I don't make it out alive, basically, as the red character, it kind of is like a, an, a nod to you can't try to save the environment or do anything really big completely by yourself, right? If there's a cause to help the environment um it it means we need to come together and you need there needs to be enough of an effort where people believe in it and want to rally behind it and in this story 
um, it really is just me. Like I, I, I have a change of heart, but I'm the only one. My other team members don't have a change of heart. They think I'm a threat to this, to this mission and they leave me stranded to die. And um, it kind of, that's how I kind of feel at times with, with, cause I am passionate about environmental conservation. Um, I don't know about enough to die in a glacier, but passionate enough. Yeah. Um, and, and it feels, it feels like a lonely sometimes. Right. I think a, a lot of Democrats and liberals or whatever you want to call yourself, you know, say they care and stuff like that. And I'm not perfect either, but I just, I don't see enough of, in my opinion, recently enough of the push in the right direction for this sort of stuff. And I, I guess in that when I was writing this story, I just felt lonely because I just, I was kind of trying to talk about it, think about what to do. And I just felt like well, I, I can't be me or even just one person. If there's someone yeah. really doing a good job, they can't be alone. Like that we, we really have to be a group to work yeah. together. To we only care. So, when we, we only care when we have to, meaning that like there's a, exactly. You know, forest fires in, in California, that's when we start caring, right? We don't care before yep. it happens, right? So, right. It's reactionary. Yeah. yeah. So it did, but it's human nature. Humans, we don't change, right? That's part of our commission. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And I think that's why I felt like telling that story of like, yeah. you know, you, if, if it's just one person, it can't be done. It needs to be, it needs to be a large group of people that make the effort. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happening slowly, but surely. So I'm just curious people, I'm going to get to your director in a second, but that, that shot, like where your characters is, is left alone to die and you kind of pull back. And do you remember how you got that shot? Where, what, what, first of all, what country was that in? Where, where was that? That was Alaska. Okay. That was Alaska. So, which um, only was doable because of without the crazy Icelandic winds. Right. So Alaska was a lot nicer to us with the winds. Yeah. You because thought that, that was you had a, that in your mind that you want you needed that last shot in the film. Yeah, I, I always knew about that one. That was impossible in Iceland, um, and um, in Alaska it worked. And our, I mean, we always wanted to do a drone, realistically speaking, and and that's what we did. It would have been cool with a helicopter, but um, yeah, we basically just got this drone shot. We got a lot of cool drone shots. The ones that you see in the video are mostly from Alaska, okay. and um, we just I, I walked out on this, which is one of the craziest experiences experiences to be on a glacier and to look out and just see just this endless horizon of spikes that could be up to a hundred feet if not taller it really puts you in your place and makes you feel um like a it makes you feel small so small in the grand yeah. scheme of things and so i walked out as far as i could safely um on this glacier and um they just pulled up the drone probably like about five ten feet over me and just expanded as far as they could and kind of angled it out um, to do a pan to catch what the horizon looked like. And I mean, I, I've had people ask me if it's green screen and I think even there it felt like a green screen. It just doesn't, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Grand Canyon. It's hard to wrap your brain around what you're looking at. It's crazy. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. So then, so tell me about your, uh, your, your director. Where did you find him? Uh, he's a good friend of um, the videographer I had. Um, and the videographer I had for this video also did my last video. Um, it's kind of like friends through friends, um, through colleges and stuff like that. We all, I just got their, got their names, looked at their work, extremely impressed. And so um, I was kind of looking for what I would consider more like a technical director in this sense, because um, the creative was a, a bit more solidified, but there are just so many aspects from execution with the weather, the lighting, a lot of unpredictable elements. And so um, Jedediah, who was our director, um, not only was he good friends with the videographer, so they were just like a dynamic duo, 
Um, he also understood Iceland. He's also, I would say he's an outdoor man himself. I always see him like every other week, either producing some video on a different country or he's like skiing on some mountain. So he was, he really was the man for the job because, um, he was in those situations and was probably the least nervous person there. <laughs> um, and so I, we were really lucky to have him. Yeah. He was a little, he must've been like, was he like, this, this is a pretty ambitious project. So like, was he on board going to different locations and like, and, and basically like, was he like, okay, like jumping from Iceland to Alaska to Boston? Like, was he like, how was that for him? I think so. Um, I mean, Hey, I will <laughs> say there was some pretty, pretty long drives and ambitious drives and um, that is not easy for anyone. So <laughs> I, I think, you know, you don't know what you're in for until you're there in some ways with it, with adventures like this, but I think um, I think he he definitely didn't expect for it to be such a long project, but I think I imagine he appreciate appreciated the the level to detail with all the effort put into going like, hey, we're gonna go here now. We didn't quite get what we need versus like we had all these cool ideas, didn't get to execute all of them in Iceland, so we're just gonna call it quits and deal with what we got. So I know he was pretty stoked to see the vision be completed and he was along right. for the ride definitely so how does the edit work then like who does who works on the ed editing of the film oh the film. that was another another buddy of ours um he wasn't at any of the shoots um he's one of the mvps of the project for sure i will say um i've worked with a lot of editors who are super fantastic amazing but it was I, it was just terrifying jumping into this edit we had like you can only imagine how many hard drives we had with what was probably like a 14 day shoot in Iceland in Iceland. And uh, then we had Alaska and then we had Boston. So it was, it could have been a short film, technically speaking. And with the hours upon hours of footage, I was just terrified how someone would digest that and get this very specific vision put across in basically a four minute video. And this guy, Jordan, um, or may I think is his last name, if I'm pronouncing it right, might be butchering it, but um was just an absolute wizard. He jumped in, he was so organized and it was so seamless. I thought this would probably be the hardest edit I ever work on in my life. <laughs> and it was kind of the easiest. He was so talented, he was so good, so devoted. He put so much upfront work into being like, this is a beast of footage to look through and digest and just nailed it. Yeah, so we were super lucky to have someone like him. So with, and so this, like you said, we talked about a little before that this is kind of your showcase what I'm just curious, what prompted you to submit the festivals like our festival? What what was your motivation for that? Well, with uh, your guys' festival specifically, um, you know, environmental cause is, is so huge to me. Um, I, I love the idea of not only my music being represented to a different audience that isn't like guitar nerds, right? Because guitar nerds, we can talk about my music or other music all day long. But when it comes to the the cinematography put into it. I love being able to have those conversations because I'm a musician first and I would say a video producer second. Yeah. Um, but to be able You're to have also those- also a performer too, right? Yeah, that too. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, whatever voids I can fill to get the the, yeah. the, the creative done. But um, I do, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm big on, I'm a big video producer. It's one of my favorite hobbies and, and part of my actual professional job as well too. And to be able to geek out over that stuff with other people in the film industry is huge for me. But I'd say even beyond that, to be so specific to it being related to the environmental cause is just like a win-win for me. So submitting to, to just even to submit to you guys to get a response was big. But then to win, be able to talk to you guys and 
and to see how it connected with other people, um, you know, judges and audience members in, the, in this uh, what did you, festival. What did you was, think about the audience? We, we send you the audience video. What did you think about what they had to say about your video? Oh, it was, it was the best. It was so heartwarming. My director felt the same way. It, it was so cool to see them see the same, like sort of see the same things I was seeing, where you listen to the music sonically, it correlates with the, the imagery you're seeing and how it just feels like one big adventure. It kind of made all the crazy hardships that my team endured because I sent it to all of them. They were like, oh, like that, that makes it makes us feel heard <laughs> for the all the crazy places we went to and the, the weather conditions. And so yeah. it really was really was pretty fulfilling to hear that stuff. So this is like a this is a bit of a bit of a, a stretch. Like as you said, you started in, in, in February 2020. Like this is like a long process to get this thing finished completed, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, definitely the longest. I mean, it wasn't my actual intention to have it be what it was basically almost three years. But um, I think the, the feedback I've been getting from most people is that they could tell this wasn't like a rushed thing. It was it it took its time. Um, and and I'm all for that. You know, I mean, like I, I have some other cool projects in relation to Jono planned that are also pretty ambitious, but I am I'm not in a rush. And if it takes five years, I want it to look like it took five years, right? Because um, I just I want to not only I don't I don't, I, don't want, I wouldn't say stand out, but I want my stuff to have a vis like a vision and a and a message that's unique and and um, sort of sheds light on instrumental rock and environmental preservation. So if it takes three years, it takes three years. If it takes one or five, you know what, whatever it takes. That's what I guess. That's your genres, instrumental rock. I guess right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would say. So what? So where do you guys? Uh, where does your band go? Uh, does you, do you guys? Uh, are you guys out in like performing somewhere? Are you guys out like what's what's your? How do you, how do people get to see you? Well, um, we have our technically first like real live performance coming in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, we're playing a, a cool spot in LA, um, like first real big show where I'm inviting anyone and anyone that can come. So um, I'm going to be doing picking up shows, um, I'd say around Southern California um, for a bit. And then ideally from there, hopefully extending out throughout the rest of the US. Um, and if it even gets to the point where I can go out to Alaska or some of these other places where I played, it would be fun to take the bands out to, to more outdoor like locations to where we shot. But yeah, just trying to conquer my hometown first, you know. According to your Instagram page, it seems like you're a new a new father, but I don't want to make that leap, but it appears that you're a new father. Is that correct? I am. I am. I got the little guy um, downstairs. Uh, he's uh, about five and a half months. He's the best. Um, <laughs> that shows how much time has passed, right? It's like started this, that little baby boy, and now I got one and it's the best. And, um, and that's another reason why I want to take the time it needs. You know, if it's going to cost a lot, it's going to it's going to cost a lot, but it's going to be at a realistic time that works for me as a, as a dad and with my family now. And so um, I don't want to compromise, but um, just take the realistic time it takes, you know? Um, so. Yeah, no, congratulations. So I, like, I know it's, uh, it's like the, the, yeah, the, the beginning, it's like, it's the, the first time, the first child is like, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much joy and, and happiness, but then it's like it changes your life forever, right? So Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's been the best. And um 
you know, the loss of sleep or whatever, like is nowhere near like the, all the little smiles I get <laughs> and the, the little like curious looks he gets when he sees me playing guitar. It's just, it's the coolest. Well, congratulations. Um, hopefully maybe we'll talk again when you make your next music video or when you come to our area, but I appreciate, I appreciate your, your, your time because it's like, it's a pretty great uh, music video. So I hope it, it gets the traction that you're looking for, for it. Thanks, man. And even just uh, getting the reaction from you guys, you guys being so open to the conversation already is like a pretty big win for me. So it's been great talking to you guys. One, two, three, four, five.